A reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is the word of the Lord.
As Romans 5 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he did this to rescue us from our ruin, to snatch us from the death grip of sin and to put us in the grasp of our dear Savior. And so God has paid the infinite death by dying on the cross to reconcile us to himself. Christ has died to make us like himself. And so Paul says here in this part of Colossians that we are to wear the clothes of Jesus, the virtues, the qualities of Christ. And yet it's, all, it's not all chocolates and, and roses in the body of Christ, is it? <laughs> it's not. He says, if, if any has a complaint against another, forgive. You see, in this passage and in the rest of Scripture, Paul assumes that our connections at times will fray. We are next to each other, which means we will bump into each other. Or, conversely, we will face the temptation that we also see in our culture to, to pull back or to pull away. One comedian said, our family motto is, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and that can also be so often the motto in the family of God. It's like, wait, how did this happen? How did we get here? But also what happens sometimes is, is that our relationships move from warm interaction to cool disengagement. You know, I've often used this passage at weddings. And I use the phrase that has been um, shared often that marriage is the union of two forgivers. The union of two forgivers. That needs to be at the heart of marriage. And at the heart of the body of Christ is that we are a union of many forgivers. We need to forgive because we fail in love more often than we realize. And yet we want to forgive because God in his infinite and costly love has forgiven us. And so what I'm going to do here is, is move very quickly through some of the virtues that Paul mentions, because what I want to focus on here is his last two virtues, the virtue of forgiveness and, and love. And we'll see that um, one of the reasons we need to forgive is because we so easily fail in the earlier virtues here that Paul mentions. So let's consider putting on the qualities, wearing the qualities of Christ. Paul says that there are different facets to the beautiful character of Jesus, the vital character that we wear. And the first article of clothing that we put on, Paul says, is compassion. And this certainly helps us in the endeavor to forgive. Compassion means that we have concern for one another, friends. We feel in our guts for each other's struggles, and we find this in our Lord and Savior. Jesus, in the Gospels, was so often gripped by the concern for the plight of others. Paul also says that we wear kindness, and the Greek word here is karikos. From that word is, is karis, which means grace, undeserved mercy. Of course, the English word that comes from that is charity. And 
What Paul is saying is that there is no place in the body of Christ for, for cruelty or, or mean or belittling words. Next he says that we put on humility and meekness and gentleness. These are the qualities that we wear. And again, we consider our Savior who himself, though he was in the form of God, Philippians 2 says, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being obedient to the point of death. And so meekness is not weakness, but it's the deferral of our rights. It is the desire to honor the rights of others. Paul also says that we are to put on gentleness. This means that Again, in a very countercultural way, we speak tenderly, never harshly. Our Savior said, a bruised reed I will not extinguish. And this means that we bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters who are hurting. And finally, Paul says, we put on patience, bearing with one another, suffering along with one another as another, uh, or an old translation says, we we tolerate each other, not sin and wrongdoing that needs to be confronted, but what he's talking about here is putting up with irritating habits and, and quirks and shortcomings, remembering that God has, rather than turning away from our wretchedness, he has washed us and embraced us and brought us near. So we can say when we are related to each other, I am going, we say this in I'm going to be patient with my brothers and sisters because God has been so patient with me and God has not finished with any of us yet. And so how can we not accept each other when God accepts us in Christ? Well, that's just a quick overview. And now I want to look at what we're really focusing on today, and that's forgiveness. You see, Paul says these virtues that we wear must be capped off by this beautiful quality of forgiveness. And in saying that, he is assuming that we will constantly cross each other in one way or another. And so this, therefore, we must constantly pardon. We do this quickly and completely as the master has forgiven us. Now, sometimes it, it's just the fact that we have different personalities and we are in close connection and sometimes this entails clashing. You've heard the old saying, um, I'm sure, to live above with saints we love, well that would be a glory, but to live below with the saints we know, well that's a different story. <laughs> and we know this, we see this in stories of local churches so often. And friends, we lapse and we falter in the qualities that we just heard about. You see, sometimes in the body of Christ, among Christians, you know, there are, there are crimes, there are, are extremely immoral acts that, that need to be dealt with, but more often than not, it's simply a lapse in the qualities of kindness, patience, gentleness, forbearance. As one Christian once 
don't get each other. We're just very different kinds of people. And so what Paul is saying is that we are to be in a perpetual state of hardening because of our missed opportunities to care, because of forgotten birthdays, because sometimes we're distracted when someone's sharing something personal and important with us. We need to be in a perpetual state of pardoning because of our ill-timed words that weren't appropriate for the moment or our off-tone ways of speaking to each other. You see, most of the time we are to graciously simply overlook petty annoyances, refusing to keep score and a record of wrongs because that's what God has done with us. He has not kept a record of wrongs against us. He has canceled and so often we choose to suffer wrong and we forgive without being asked or even without confronting the offender. Now again, this is really countercultural. We are in an age in which we are supposed to express our resentment. Um, many of you know the uh, famous scene, the episode in Seinfeld, Best of It. Where the father of George Costanza, Frank Costanza, decides that in the alternative uh, holiday arrangement uh, to Christmas, uh, his family is going to celebrate Festivus, and Frank Costanza announces this holiday as one in which you gather your loved ones around the dinner table with not a Christmas tree, but an aluminum pole, and you tell them all the ways that they have disappointed you the past year. It's an airing of grievances. And in the famous climax of that crazy episode, Frank Costanza stands up at the table and he says, I've got problems with you people. <laughs> now, you know, I've thought about this because there have been moments in relationships, even relationships between believers, um, I would say in this past year, actually I would say honestly in this past month, where I have felt I have been in the strange world of Festivus, but without the funny, without the fun. And grievances have been shared, and, and it's so easy for a severe spirit to take over rather than what Paul is talking about here. We, we want to descend into a kind of fault-finding. And so Paul says, instead of canceling each other as the culture would do, we cancel um, people's indebtedness to us. And that means that we remit or we absorb the debt, the pain. As one writer who went through a, a broken um, engagement uh, that was very painful to him, and he was trying to forgive his uh, former fiance. Wood, nails, and pain are the currency of forgiveness, a love that heals, and we want the wrongdoer to be blessed. That means we forego, again, the cultural idea of resentment, and if you think about it, resentment, if you break down the word sentiment and re, it means we want to feel again and again the bitterness, um, maybe that we have incurred or experienced from another's behavior. But the gospel says we let go of that 
So that means we're, we're willing not to hold the grudge, but we try to hold on to others in love. Proverbs 19 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience, that quality that we wear, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And with all of this in mind, it means that we not only forgive, but we seek to be forgiven. We take the gentleness, the kindness, the humility that we heard about earlier, and we go to others, and we say, I'm sorry. Many, many years ago, I was in a context where it, it, I was sort of playing referee among some Christians, and it, I knew that we were going to come into a difficult meeting. There were sort of months and months of uh, tensions that were growing, differing visions about ministry, differing opinions about job descriptions, and whether one that was written was actually being followed uh, by others. And it was folks on the same ministry team who were united as the body of Christ, yet, as so often happens, people were beginning to take sides, and they were arming up, as it were. So we came to this meeting one night, and I was just sort of going through all the scenarios, you know, lawyering up as it were, getting ready to how do I play the different, you know, angles here, how do I referee? And the meeting started like, started like this, and it really shocked me. One party, um, very humbly, uh, with, with a spirit of contrition said, I'm just sorry, I want to start by saying I'm sorry for my part in this not being the person that Christ wants me to be, to be uh, for failing you, please forgive me. And friends, it was like a gospel bomb went off in the room. This fantastic gospel invasion of grace into a potential escalation of words. Now, it did, doesn't mean that there was still um, not work to be done. There was work to be done still, but from that place of forgiveness and contrition and the granting of um, grace, we were able to work through some of those situations. You see, Colossians is saying we, we don't hold these things that we have against each other against each other because God does not hold our sins against us. Later, we're going to hear from an earlier portion of Colossians 2 when we come to confess our sins. But I want to give you a paraphrase of that passage that we'll hear at the Lord's Supper. Think of, think of this. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. And so this means, friends, that we never write each other off because the written indictment against us was nailed to Jesus' cross. Now, this doesn't mean that forgiveness precludes justice. There, as we will hear in the coming weeks, there is a place to go and to make things right, to, to talk through what has gone wrong in a relationship. It is always the goal for forgiveness to lead to restoration and reconciliation. But the point is, when we go
go to talk to people, and this has really helped me as I've been working on this series. We go in the spirit of forgiveness, never in the spirit of retaliation. We want what's best for those who have hurt us. We pray for them. As one of you actually shared in class many, many years ago when we were going through the issue of forgiveness, you said, one of you, I, I had an issue with a, with a person in the church years ago. And I realized that if I prayed for this person constantly, it was hard, difficult to nurse resentment for them. Can't nurse resentment when you are praying for someone and they're receiving the mercy of Christ for you so that you might forgive others. And so, friends, the point is this inner work of the cross of Christ on us helps us to go outward and to be people who are in perpetual pardoning mode, a mode of graciousness. And of course, again, we do all of this. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And friends, the more we comprehend that God is compassionate toward us, abounding in love, not giving us what we deserve, but giving us counter-deserved kindness, the more loving we will be and the more harmonious our fellowship will be. In Luke 7, Jesus tells us, He who has been forgiven much, loves much. And so as we receive the loving forgiveness of Jesus, we are able powerfully to go out in a countercultural way and forgive one another and forgive those who have wronged us. First Peter says, Above all, or actually,
was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS soldier who had stood guard at the shower room in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first at our actual jailer that I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-blanched face. And then he came up to me as the, as the church was emptying, as she had shared her testimony, and the man was beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, he said. To think that as you say, Jesus has washed away my sins. His hand was thrust out to shake mine for, he said, and I who had spoken so often to the people in Holland of the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. And even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? And so, Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand, but I could not. I felt not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. I love how you go on to that guy. And so I prayed silently again, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. Into my heart sprang a love for this stranger, for this enemy, who was now a brother that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world healing hinges, but on his. Friends, infinite love canceled the debt of death that we owed by dying in our place. Forgiveness is a powerful, sweet, and lovely gift that God has given to us. And yet applying that to our own hearts and to our relationships is hard work. It's not often stated, but I want to carry on this story from Corey. She later wrote, I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thought flowed from me from then on, but it didn't. There's one thing I've learned in my 80 years, that I can't store up good feelings and behaviors, but I can draw them from God each day because of what Christ has done for me. It's a daily application of that to my heart and to my relationships. I want to end by telling you, I, I keep I'm kind of doing away with it in ministry. I, I feel like right now,
How could it be otherwise? I mean, it can be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you paid the, the infinite price of going to the cross, sending your son to the cross for our sins. That the debt has been paid, that it has been remitted. That we don't have to die eternally because Christ was fixed upon the cross. And the record of death that stood against us was nailed there. The record of our wrongdoing. And so God, I pray that in this centurious harsh age in which grievances are shared and there is a kind of festivist spirit without the humor so often. It's just airing of grievances, payback, uh, people sharing their, their thoughts against one another in ways that are not constructive or restorative. I pray, God, that our church that the body of Christ, not only this one, but um, globally, that we would be an alternate community. I thank you for the work that you have done and are doing in this body. I pray that the peace and harmony that we sense, that that would remain, that we would continue by your grace to show kindness, charity, humility, that we would forgive and God, we thank you for the lovely, sweet reality of the gospel, the way it is a fragrance to a relationship. And we pray now that as we go to the Lord.